You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, listeners. Welcome, Sid Talk. Welcome to this thriller horror crime movie that we're going to review. <laughs> we were just discussing before the after the show that um, the movie we're about to review. Is it a horror film or is it a thriller film? Are we giving spoilers? Because no, this could no, we're giving nothing. I'm not even saying what the movie is, but we were saying is For it the a, whole discussion? Is it a horror film? Is it a thriller film? And then I was saying to you, what categorizes a horror over a thriller? And some movies are a bit of both, right? I guess so. Like that's what a movie we saw this year, for instance, Green Room. To me, yes, it's a horror film. It's grisly and it's intense but does a horror film have to be like but it's not a thriller it's a th- also a thriller right it's like similar to today's what's thriller movie. mean though it's thrilling <laughs> i know but i always thought thriller would be like you're clear over there again this time what the hell thriller to me is like you're trying to solve something you know you're on like a chase or something like that but i don't know maybe not to um, me, this one is not so much horror, even though it has horrific stuff in it. It's not thriller, because I everything's pretty much laid on the table. There's no, like, anticipation. There's no crime solving or anything like that. So I don't know how it's defined. Also, another category to throw a spanner in the works is suspense. Correct. And it's definitely that. So... Yeah. All these... Maybe we're not very smart and we just don't know what genres mean. I think there are too many categories <laughs> nowadays. You have to enter your film into like several categories for it to fit. Because you're if you're crossing How over... How about a horror thriller rom-com? That would be... Sh- Excuse me. Animation. Shaun of the Dead. A comedy horror thriller rom-com. With zombies. Well, no. No, you have to add zombies. Zombies is not its own genre yet. It's a subgenre. So, uh, yeah. All right, then. Pride and Prejudice with Zombies. What's okay. that? Is our film? That would be a uh, romantic horror. <laughs> <laughs> New category. <laughs> All right, so it is Saturday, December the 3rd. Happy December, everybody. It is uh, after the show, number 456. We are a movie review show. We review a new Blu-ray every week. This week's Blu-ray review is... Ta-da, don't breathe. So don't breathe for the rest of this podcast and see how that turns out. This is a 2016 movie released on Blu-ray on November the 28th. So released this week. You can pick it up now. It's rated R uh, for strong horror and thriller elements. And it's from our friends at Sony. And uh, Sid Talk here will give you the synopsis of Don't Breathe. Hmm. Synopsis of Don't Breathe. It's pretty much all on the box, I think. If you look at the box or the poster or watch a trailer, you're going to get this. A blind oldish man living in a house is getting robbed by some snotty 20-somethings. Are they millennials? I don't know. And it all goes very badly for everyone involved. That's yeah. kind of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, said, you know. I would say don't see that trailer, even though there are more Don't surprises. listen to my synopsis, yeah. even though it's too... I can't take it back now, but that's about it, really. Home Invasion... And it's got a heavy-handed anti-hero theme, so that everybody has their own yeah. questionable ethics, morals, and decision-making that you have to decide, Ugh, would I shoot him in the face? Would I let him go? Would I take the money? 
Would I freak out? Would I sympathize, empathize? So. That's pretty thick in this movie. So don't breathe. Being a, being a, a massive fan of the Evil Dead uh, movies and the Evil Dead remake that they did in 2013, uh, this director, Fede Alvarez, did it. And this is his movie as well, Don't Breathe. I loved what he did with that Evil Dead remake. It's not exactly the Evil Dead. He, he retold the Evil Dead story, but it wasn't Ash with a chainsaw. It was a different thing. It was, you know, it ended differently. I liked how he what he did with that. It was really gross. It was very tense, even though you knew what was going to happen. Because, you, all, you know, most of us have seen the Evil Dead and we were very familiar with it. He really made it like a new thing. And not a new thing like what did we just watch that you didn't like? A remake? A remake of Cabin Fever. Yeah. It's not like they made a no. remake just for the sake of making a remake. It's like he made a different thing that was approved by Sam Raimi and it was a cool thing. Now this, Don't Breathe, the director said he wanted to go about making a film like Evil Dead with that kind of intense vibe, but without any supernatural or gore elements to it, which this movie does not have. Um, so uh, That's gore. A little bit. Yeah, but it's not crazy. It's not that kind of gore, yeah. Not crazy like the Evil Dead. The Evil Dead literally has buckets of blood gushing into the air and stuff. It's crazy. I guess that's another question. How do you define gore? What's gory to you? What makes you go, oh, God, It's different gross. for me, actually, because what makes me wince in gore... Of, I, I can... Evil Dead, Brain Dead, a.k.a. Dead Alive, mm-hmm. anything like that, it has no effect on me, apart from I always find it really fun that they're doing that sort of stuff. But... If you show me a real surgery going on, like a documentary, and they do real, it doesn't even have to be real. If you see surgery on a movie or anything, you go, yeah. But if it's a movie, I I kind of in my head it disconnects slightly. But if I know it's a documentary, like a BBC documentary about heart surgery that I saw on TV once, flicking through, (laughs) and they've literally got a human heart in the hand and it's beating, and there's a person there, that really disturbs me. I don't know. It it makes me like quiver, like like ugh. I can't even look at that. So that's the kind of gore that freaks me out. Movie gore doesn't really. It just... I like it when it's really well done. And then when it's really silly, like in Dead Alive or Evil Dead, that's also fun. We watch Ash vs. Evil Dead. There's blood and gore everywhere. Ash got his head stuck up somebody's anus this year. (laughs) And it's crazy. And there's poo flying around. That kind of level of gore, it doesn't bother me. It's just fun. (laughs) Which is weird. Oh, it's fun watching... People explode and stuff, but yeah. So you're giving us a little journey down your psyche here. Yeah. So this movie is not like a go. Right. I love this movie, Don't Breathe. Um, I also loved another movie this year called Green Room, which was a huge surprise. I was like, wow, that was really good. And I didn't expect it to be that good. I also found this to be really good. And why I found this really good is it's a very simple idea that, you know, there's these criminals... They come in to rob this house. Uh, there's a blind man in the house, so that seems like it'd be very easy to deal with. <laughs> like, like even they say, "Oh, it's a bit easy to rob a blind man, isn't it? Isn't that isn't that a bit unfair?" It does seem easy, but not when you're dealing with this blind man. Correct. Uh, and it's simple. The movie is only ninety minutes. It's it's brief, but executed really well. There are. The shots in this movie are really well done. There's there's um, some movies, uh, we've seen a movie this year, I can't remember which one, Lights Out, where 
it's, it's a movie where the lights go out a lot and the scares are, oh shit, you don't know what's in the shadows. This movie does a part of the movie where the lights go out, but the guy's blind, but our criminals are not blind. But the way they show you that it's pitch blackness, it's not like an infrared green camera. It's this, it's strange because it gets lighter as your eyes adjust. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen it done that way, and it felt real. Like, oh shit, if I was in a basement and you turned all the lights off, it would be completely black. And then slowly I would start to see outlines of things. Not really, not unless there's some source of light. Like, I've been down in our basement, which is really dark. When the light is off, after a while you start, just in your eyes you can see the As long as you have some source of light. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie, they did it really well. There's this whole scene where they're in the basement, it's dark, it's an odd looking tint to the film but it, it's scary i thought it was scary that kind of stuff from this movie is very visceral because you think i think okay i mean we've all been in the dark in our own house in the safety and security of our own house and you're walking down the hall thinking i'm gonna get a glass of water and you think the door is there then you boom right into the edge and you're like fuck i've done that yeah right or you catch out of the corner of your eye like the shape of something that looks like the right shape and size of a person standing there and you're like fuck and you turn the light on and it's like a plant that's been there for 20 years you know sitting in a pot and yeah. you're like oh and your heart just goes that's what this they did it in a way where the sound and the the fact that they had to control their panic because the movie's called don't breathe so this guy can hear you it's heightened it's so sense. because you don't get a lot of <laughs> I mean, you get a little bit here and there, but only when they are, like, when the shit's really hit right the fan. Every other time, they're forcing it. So you're really in the middle of, like, repress or oppressive fear. And I thought that was done really good, especially with the sounds. And a lot of times the music would go away and you're just sort of in this weird, like, you can hear the clicking and the creaking. And that's my main criticism of this movie. The story is they go into this house. They know the guy's blind. They make efforts no, to they make efforts to kind of make um, him you know subdued for some time, but then once they realize shit's going down, it's like they keep moving around in a way that you and a normal person would realize the person can hear you right in their house even before they get to where they're going to try to get him knocked out or whatever. If someone came in our house, we'd be able to hear. We'd yeah. be able to hear the bathroom window break. We'd be able to hear them walking on our creaky fucking floors. We'd Unless she was hear... fast asleep. I think you would wake up. I wake up instantly, pretty easily. And then you can hear. You're in your own house. So you know what sounds work are right and which ones are wrong. So these kids, they're not kids, they're like 20-something. But they're clever enough to know all these tr- weird tricks that you know they've looked up on the internet. How do you knock somebody out with like this weird gas combination it's that you can get? It's chloroform, though, isn't it? I don't know. How do you get chloroform? You had to figure out how to make yeah. that shit. How do you make a dog go to sleep without killing him? How do you get in somebody's house? How do you crack a Universal safe? remote control to turn off yeah, alarms. Yeah, like you've researched everything. But the fact that you think that a person can't hear you in their own house? That's my biggest flaw. So that, I had to overcome that because that's the premise. All you had to do was not do it because you knew they would hear you. So you then that would be a great show. Until... Don't even do it because they're going to hear you. Right. Or wait till he's gone, which yeah. would eliminate the And they the say he doesn't plot. go very often. He's a shut-in, right? right? So, so then the movie wouldn't exist. So I had right. to get over that or, they, you know. They did try and cover the tracks a little bit. Now, you you might be thinking of a listener. All right, some criminals get into the house, into a man's blind man's house, uh, and the blind man starts coming at them to, to get rid of them. 
why don't they just get out of the house? <laughs> yeah. That's that seems they got in, so why don't they get out? No, well, he's he's locked down like Fort Knox. In he there. has, but the window they got in is still the window they got in, right? And uh, he puts a board over it. He does, but it's just a board. Well, he's got a couple. Of, yeah, I, I agree with you. And there were a couple yeah. of windows where I'm like, are they? I know yeah. they're panicking, but they don't need to get keys to get out to get through all the deadbolts. They just have to jump through the window. Now some have bars; those didn't. So I thought yeah. either that's a mistake. Yeah, that's what I thought. Or I'm not seeing I the thought, bars. I thought it was all supposed to be bad, and we were supposed to get the idea. There's no getting out of it. If you want to get out, that's the idea. But then visually, you're yeah, led to it's different conclusion. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, and I did notice that. And I noticed, well, they got in through this little window, and yes, he puts a board on the little window, but it's just a board. You just kick the board off and get back out that window. But you have to disbelief a little bit. Correct. And the place is locked up like Fort Knox. There's locks on every door. There's multiple locks on most doors. This guy's up to something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's also got a big, a big, you know, wad of ch- change in his uh, safe. So he doesn't want Robin. And mm-hmm. these kids, you know, are, are here to rob him. Now, I really liked... It's a little bit heavy-handed, but this is a thriller-slash-horror movie. And they, they are, kind of. But I really liked how you don't know who to like. I mean, when when we're introduced to the criminals at the beginning, um, we see them doing a robbery in a posh in some posh people's house, stealing everything, including the shoes and the clothes. And you're like, "Fuck!" Imagine if I was being robbed. These little fucks. I, I would kill them, right? <laughs> yes. And then it cuts to them, and it cuts to our heroine, uh, if she is a heroine. Rocky, and it cuts to her home life, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah, I could, you know, I can see why some people turn out like they are, and this is giving me a, a little bit of sympathy only because of a, of a little sister. That is the sympathy for me, like, I, I keep thinking, well, nobody should be around these parents, they are <laughs> fucking disgusting, like, this little girl needs better than this. So hopefully, I'm thinking, hopefully Rocky wins this and uh, we get this little sister out of there. That was the only... The two boys, the other two criminals, I didn't really have much like for either of them. One of them especially not. It's really hard to like him. The other one, I started to like him a little bit, but then thought, no, you're a, you're a criminal. Like You really like deserve what you get if you're going in somebody's house, right? Absolutely. But her, what about her? Did you uh, ever... Were you on her, like... At first, you probably wasn't. <laughs> um, I think no matter what, because I have to... And yes, it's fiction. And yes, you apply different rules to fiction than you do to real, real life. However, you have to keep coming back to the question. If I were in that situation, and my decision was to commit a crime to solve my problem, when I don't have to commit a crime to solve my problem. She's not in the middle of a life-death situation where someone's coming at out. her... To defend her little sister and she shoots him and kills him. She's no. not stabbing her mother because her little sister's been sold into slavery. It's none of that shit. It is that she's been convinced through the way that they live that if I steal from the rich people, everything's fine. And then I'll get some money and then I'll get out. Knowing, because you make a character who understands right and wrong. Because when the real shit hits the fan, she can't abandon someone. So she knows right from wrong. Yeah. Right? She wants to make that situation as right as she can. Therefore, coming back to the first choice, I can't have sympathy for her choice. No. Because she doesn't have to do it. 
she's going along for the ride. She's going along thinking, you know, whatever. It's kind of easy. Right. But I, I sympathize in that you can feel desperate and like, fuck the world. I need to get on with my life here. I need to gain something here. And I don't care what I do to do it, right? I can sympathize with that and to an extent. But I can never get fully on board and go, yeah, I want her to live at the end. Or I want him to live through the end. I want him to be killed. I just couldn't get behind anybody. That's, that, that was my conclusion. I think that's a good like, thing, though. Like, because... Nobody's the win. No one is the hero. Right. And uh, in this movie, I'm not going to spoil because... There are some things that occur. It gets pretty dark, let's say. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah. Um, and I actually felt differently about our main characters then, after this dark part happened, because it got really fucked up. <laughs> and it does get pretty fucked up at yeah. the end. And uh, I really did feel for her. So she was the old, you know, I guess it was designed that way, so you would end up feeling for her. Yeah, just because I don't sympathize with her choice to commit this crime doesn't mean I don't end up having this like this is another thing that you have to think about in life that just because she's committing this crime to steal money from this guy that was her early objective that whatever bad things happen to her then are completely justified I don't agree with that now if someone were to break in my house and you shot them in the face and I stab them I don't have a gun but if I stab them in the throat because they're attacking me or attacking you. I'm not necessarily that hyped about protecting my stuff. But if it were a situation of protecting my life and my family's lives, friends' lives, and I stab somebody and kill them, then I have to come to the conclusion that you brought this upon yourself. You came into my house. You threatened my life or my family's life. And everything that happened after that, uh, you're just going to have to... Well, you're dead, maybe, or you're very injured. You're going to have to accept that you brought me there. The things that happened to her are not a direct result. No. The things a, that are about to happen to her are not a direct you result You couldn't of anticipate this. what happened Correct. Right. This, that doesn't just always justify, like, you know, somebody's a criminal. It doesn't mean they deserve to be tortured. You have to think about the crime and their intent and their continued danger all that stuff. So no, I can't. I have you have to break it down into little sections, and you can't sit there and go, "Yeah, well, fuck her." You have to go like, oh, "Okay, okay, yeah. this is where it plays the, with you." Yeah, it so plays it's good. with you. Yeah, that's why I thought it was good because you don't. And know. everybody acts it performs very well. Her thing when she's hanging there. Yeah, it's good. Oh my! I mean, I felt her in her mind something clicked where she was like, "What would I fucking do?" I mean, I know she's an actress, it's but intense. you would think how how uh, you know. So I, I was. So I liked the I intensity. Impressed. I liked the um, cinematography of it. This Freddy Alvarez knows how to move the camera around. There's a part where it's in the ducting of the house, and there's a, a dog in the ducting <laughs> of the house. That scene that was is crazy. Like, that was crazy. Yeah, it, it was. It was. At first, I was like, "Oh, looking. come on!" But I thought, "No," because he's trained this dog yeah. to so, bring down anybody who comes around. So no matter what, that dog's gonna. Go yeah, for it's it. not just a blind man. He's actually got a what do you call that dog? Uh, Rottweiler. I think. Rottweiler. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, it's a pretty. And he's a he's a vet. He's a vet. Yeah, he's not. So a, he's military trained. He's not a fragile old man. No. He is a blind man who will fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of it. Yeah, and he will just fire randomly with his gun in the direction he thinks you are, and if you're not. If you're not there, you're good. It's good, and if you are there, you're dead, right? It's, he's just like he's pretty hardcore. So, um, I found it had a really it was intense the entire time. As soon as they got into that house, 
and shit started to go wrong, which obviously it will in this kind of movie, it always was going wrong. Like, there wasn't a moment to breathe. Don't breathe. There wasn't a moment where you were like, okay, here's a bit of... <sighs> no, it never did that. And and if it did start to do that... Oh, so the title has double meaning. Yeah, if it did oh. start to do that, like, that like you think, oh, look, they're going to get out now. They're not. <laughs> like it looks. Spoiler. Like it looks like they're gonna get out, but they don't get out. So, um, yeah, it is a very effective home invasion type thriller type horror movie. Not, you know, it's not a supernatural Evil Dead type movie. But like Green Room this year, there is a thing to it that is like, oh, uh, the thing that there is a unique scene in this movie. I'm not gonna say it on the podcast. Was the unique scene? Yep. That I've never seen before. And I was like, I said, you're wow. not watching the right kind of movies. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wow, that is like really fucked. It's like on the edge of like being the most fucked, one of the most fucked things you've ever seen. It's like, ugh. <laughs> like, ugh. That is gross. So, yeah, there is a, if you are like a gore slash horror type person, there is a scene where you might go, oh, wow, they took it a bit far there. That is really, really crazy. So, uh, cast here, and it is a really small cast. There's literally, a, you know, I've just, I've just listed our main people. Stephen Lang plays the blind man. He is excellent. He is like, he wears these contact lenses to make it, his eyes look, he doesn't wear glasses. So you can see he's a blind man. <laughs> but um, he barely speaks. There's some dialogue near the end of the movie. He does like a... He's, he, he For most of the movie, he says nothing. He just moves and walks like a Jason character in a, in a you know, Friday the 13th movie or whatever. He's just this hulking, I'm coming and I'm going to shoot you in the face or I'm going to stab you or whatever I'm going to do. He just barely talks. He talks near the end. Um, what did you think of him, Stephen Lang? Oh, that was really good. Now, the one longest talking part... Even that, I mean, I understand he's at a very desperate moment and explaining it. It was a bit even, everybody else has a little more grounded performance. His was like he took it to that extra psycho level a little bit. Yeah. Which was reasonable, I guess, for the situation. But overall, I mean, he didn't have to say it much, but his intensity freaked me out. You might think to yourself, I've heard of Stephen Lang. I didn't, uh, I've seen him in lots of things. Often he's like a general in the army or a soldier or something. He's a tough guy. Um, was he in Avatar? Yes, he was. He was the general in Avatar at the end, fighting in the mech. That was, was him, with the scar on his face. That was him. But uh, yeah, he often is that kind of tough character. And you will have seen him in a lot of things. But uh, I think it was really awesome, like, because it, it is a performance where basically it's physical, all of it. And, you know, you're a blind man who isn't really there to speak to these people. He's just there to kill them. <laughs> so, um, Jane Levy plays Rocky. She's the uh, female, I, I would hate to say heroine, because nobody's a hero or a heroine here. Correct. And she was also the lead in the Evil Dead remake. That's why I mentioned earlier with the Fede Alvarez. He obviously likes her. And with good, right, because she was good in that. She's really good in this. She's one of those actresses who is good for horror movies because she can show that fear. Sometimes you see some good... Like, we just watched Lights Out. One of the problems I had with Lights Out, while I like the story overall, that main actress in it 
when she did the scary part, like, I am scared. Sometimes she got it, and sometimes she was, <laughs> you know, like that yeah. kind of like, oh, act scared over there. This Jane Levy, I don't, she does something. She like the part, like you said, where she's in the basement um, and she's scared. You know. Yeah. She Something in her, she thinks of the scariest thing possible and uh, goes Exactly. There, right? So it doesn't look like um, she's doing the, uh, uh, like the scream queen thing. That they say, you know, I'm I'm yet screaming at the camera. Uh, what did you think of uh, her? No, she's good. I, I did you like her, her in The Evil Dead? I think so. I mean, if she I was the hero. Correctly. Yeah, she's yeah. tough and yeah, I think she gets into it in the moment, and I like that. And these are like extreme. Well, Evil Dead was really extreme. She had to do all kinds of shit. Like she covered in everything. But uh, this movie is extreme physical also because she's she's crawling through vents. She's Shuffling around in the dark. I don't really know if it is dark when they're filming it. Often it's... I always find that really interesting in movies. When you see the extras of how they're making the movie. And they show you filming the scene. And uh, it's re- it looks like daytime. Everything's light. And then when you see the finished scene. It's dark. Like And that is all be- just... just um, What do you call it? Where they take it into the computer and change the... Uh, Filters, that's... lighting. Yeah, like yeah. you can literally take a daylight scene and make it look like a creepy nighttime scene without filming it at night. <laughs> so it makes me wonder why they even do night shoots these days with... Well, it's genuine. Yeah. Um, so, Jane Levy, excellent. Dylan Minette, he plays Alex, and Daniel Zavato plays... I put Alex. Are they both called Alex? No. No, I didn't think so. Money. <laughs> Money. What do you think of these two guys? Um... Well, I really, really despise the money character. And well, I think you're the, supposed to. Yeah, supposed to. You're not supposed to sympathize with him at all because he's just a twat. Yeah. Um, so he like did a, a fine job of getting that. But he's a little over... I think they kind of caricaturized yeah. the idea of the one that you want to be like... You know, any horror movie kind of situation, you're like, oh, that guy go first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that was the idea of And then him. the other guy was the opposite, a little too uptight sometimes, a little too... But... Again, supposed to be. Like, yeah. yeah. So okay. I liked them all. Yeah. I thought they were all good. I thought um, Jane Le- Levy really, her and Stephen Lang are the standout. Because those two are really, you know, side characters. Not side characters, but they, they're not as involved in it. Well, I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> it's hard not to spoil stuff. Uh, it's directed by Fede Alvarez. He did the Evil Dead remake and some short movies before that. But that's how Sam Raimi... He discovered this guy from these short movies that he'd made, these horror movies. And then he let him make that Evil Dead remake. And now he's like a permanent part of Sam Raimi's team here at this, you know, they make these horror movies. So I think he's a good choice. He actually made a couple of episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead too, and they were some of the best episodes. The ones where the actually... In case people don't know, you are a humongous Evil Dead fan. Yeah. And you always have been. Evil Dead is a big thing. So when they say... This movie says on the cover from the creators of Evil Dead. I'm sold anyway. Like, I've got to see it. I mean, even though it really has nothing to do with the Evil Dead. The Freddy Alvarez guy, Freddy, has a way about him like Sam Raimi does. The way he films stuff. And the way it's... I think I think Freddy Alvarez's um, trademark is claustrophobic terror. Like, oh my god, we're trapped. Like in the Evil Dead, we're trapped in this cabin, or here we're trapped in this house, and not much good is going to come of this situation in either way. Like, so you're just gonna have to be along for the ride, and it's probably gonna be grim. Like, I like that; it feels good. 
So um, extras on this Blu-ray, there are several. There's uh, eight deleted scenes with director's commentary. We watched all of them. Uh, I don't really think any of them were, you know, mind-blowingly. Nah. They're, they're delete, and even he said they're just stuff that they had to trim out because it made it a bit long or it made it a bit boring at this point. We're trying to be really exciting in this area of the movie, so this scene would just slow it down. I understand all that about filmmaking. Films can be worse when when they put scenes in. You know, I've seen, like, director's cuts of movies, and I didn't like the original movie, and then I've watched Daredevil as a prime example. Watch the director's cut and go, wow, yeah, yeah from that editing, it makes it way better, right? So, yeah, these are deleted scenes for a reason. Um, there's a commentary on the whole film with uh, Fede Alvarez, the co-writer Rodo Sachuez. I, I probably butchered that. Sorry, Mr. Rodo. <laughs> and Stephen Lang, who's the... Uh, you know, the blind man in this movie. So that would be a good commentary. I'm going to listen to that. There are some extras. They're pretty standard extras. There's one called No Escape, Creating the Creepy House, Meet the Cast, Man in the Dark, and The Sounds of Horror. They cover all the bases. Uh, interviews with Feddy, interviews with the cast. Uh, they're very brief. It's not like a big in-depth making of. But um, they're there if you want to... I think the standout on there would be the commentary on the whole movie. That's always a good thing to listen to if you're interested in how movies are made. And this one, technically, is probably an interesting... I, wa- I listened to the commentary on Evil Dead remake. And uh, he's very technical. <laughs> Some people hate that, but I really like it. I want to know how things are done. I want to know like what cameras they used. You know, that's that kind of thing. So conclusion, don't breathe. Your conclusion is? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. My heart was racing. I was interested in which way they were going to take it. Does everybody die? Does everybody live? Do we get switched around? Do we get, you know, stimulating? And you're right. There were a few things you don't you don't see. You see standard tropes. Yeah. This but is there what are he's some... doing. Yeah. But there's a few little things in there that are good. So I enjoyed it. And we had seen the trailer for this movie a couple of times. Because we thought we said to each other, "Oh, this looks. I, I like that. Look at this." And the, I, I thought to myself while I was watching it, "Did that trailer ruin this for me?" Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Oh no, there's a whole aspect of this movie that isn't in the trailer." So, well done, whoever did the trailer. Even the trailer even showed you a little bit too much, but there is a whole. The heart of this movie is not in that trailer. So. Well done. Because <laughs> usually they, we, we saw a trailer at the beginning of this movie. I forget what the movie was called. It was about being lost in the wilderness in some in, in the snow. And I literally feel like I have seen that movie. Absolutely. Every scene from that movie I feel like I've seen. I feel like the, the scenes in that trailer were shown in the wrong order. But in my mind, they all went in the right order as I was watching it. and went, oh yeah, that's what happens. So I agree. Yeah, well done for uh, ruining that movie and probably not getting me to see it. So, um, thanks to Sony for the Blu-ray. If you want to enter a contest, we've got a couple of new ones this week. Go to aschoolie.com and you can win something. Next week's Blu-ray review is uh, Jason Bourne, which uh, is AKA, Jason, AKA Bourne 5, right? Is it the fifth Bourne movie? Yes. Yes, because the, the fourth one wasn't um, Mr. Matt Damon. But Matt Damon is back for Jason Bourne. We're going to have a look at that next week. Yeah. I really like the Bond movies. I do too. And if the bar, if this new one doesn't have Moby at the end, I will be sadly disappointed. Because <laughs> Moby needs to come with the Bond movies because he is part of it. Thank you. So movie recommendations. I am going with two movies based on Don't Breathe and both with the word room in them. 
A, number one, Green Room, a movie we watched earlier this year. Excellent movie. Uh, kind of a home invasion type movie. It's, but it happens to be the home of some uh, neo-Nazis. <laughs> Spoiler! <laughs> yeah, but it is a great... like. It's another movie that involves a Rottweiler as well, I was just thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, it's a good... It's like this movie. You could watch these two back to back. They really fit together. Like, uh, So that's Green Room. And another one is a movie from many years ago, David Fincher's Panic Room, which is another claustrophobic, trapped in a house. The bad yeah. guys are coming for you. And uh, <laughs> there's no getting out. It's just claustrophobic and fucked, really. It's not quite as hardcore as these movies. It's a bit more Hollywood glossy. But it's pretty... Intense. And Green Room and Panic Room, the people that are introduced to a situation did nothing wrong to get there. Mm-hmm. They are just now going to be subject to some horrible stuff by some really bad people. And your recommendations are? Uh, because I got the, a whiff of one of my favorite movies of all time. Not in the quality or the story or anything, but the idea that you are committing a crime of sorts. Of, well, not actual crime. And... It's all so you can further get further ahead and you don't really fully think about the consequences. And that would be true romance. Yes. Because we've got Alabama and what's his name? I always forget his name. Clarence. Clarence. You know, they stumble She's across some... Wally is the second name. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Because she gets... Warley. Yeah, Warley. Yep, she gets married. Yep, yep. So, true romance, one of the best movies ever. I mean, it just really is. Written by Quentin Tino, current... Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. <laughs> Written by Quentin Tarantino. Directed by Tony Scott. Correct. It's really good. It's got Dennis Hopper and Christian Slater and Alabama Worley. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Yeah, kind of. Not really. <laughs> and then my other one is sort of the opposite of all of this because it's holiday season. And so I'm going to be starting with my holiday recommendations for the next few weeks. And the number one that you would recommend, not necessarily me. It's the best Christmas movie ever made. But it isn't. It is for me. It is Love Actually. Yes. So we've got True Romance, Love Actually, all based on kind of... What I like about Love Actually, it's really sweet. Like, (laughs) Like really sweet. Yeah, it's also adult and it's also like funny. Like, mm-hmm. genuinely funny. like and, and because it's got a mixture of stories, it's like Magnolia, but funny. <laughs> it's got a bunch of stories. Yeah, there's nothing funny about Magnolia. There's at least one of those stories you'll probably like, even if there are... There's a story I don't like in it, but there's at least... You're going you're gonna to like one of them, be it the Prime Minister's story, be it the... The funny thing is, the story you don't like is about a British person coming to America. It's just, you know, the, the problem is with that story... In, in Love Actually. He's not funny? It's not as fleshed out as all the others either, is it? It just feels like a... It's not It's not got as much to it as any of the others. It's very brief. It's like almost like they just slap that one in there at the end because they had some extra stuff. Like, it doesn't fit to me. It's um. It wasn't at the end. It was through the whole movie. No, I'm saying the, at the end of producing the movie, they were like, okay, we have four stories. Oh, we could have five if we just put this little bit in that we filmed. I don't think that's It doesn't feel that. like a full story because it isn't. You know, it's literally like he talks to his friends at work. There's a montage of him going to America. Yeah, but it's supposed to symbolize another version of what people think love is when it it isn't. It is. That's it. I mean, but all the others are really in depth, and there's a lot to them. They're emotional or whatever. See, my least one is her with the brother. 
Because I understand that it's impactful and it's emotional, but I also think she's kind of a doormat. My favorite one is the Prime Minister one. Uh, I also like, um, uh, you know, Liam Neeson kid story also. Uh, yeah, excellent movie. Love Actually. Some might say it's sappy. It is. <laughs> All right, so games and Ace Scully stuff this week. I have been playing some more Watch Dogs 2 on the PlayStation 4. It's really fun. There's lots of hacking. I did a mission this week where you have to go into their version of Google, which is called Noodle instead of Google. It's very similar to Google. Almost the same colors, you know, all the different colored letters. But you have to go, obviously, like Google or Noodle in this game are responsible for, like, stealing people's information by attracting them, by using their search engine and signing up with them, and then they're using the information for no good. So you, as the hackers, go into... You have to... Disguise yourself as a noodle worker, and all these noodle workers are like irritating assholes. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yes. they're those type of people. <laughs> yes. So you disguise yourself as one of them, and you have to go in a board meeting and act like one of them for a while. So it's like, you know, it's it's kind of gross. And then eventually, you get to hack into their server and like ruin the day for them. But it, the actual level design of that whole thing—it's this huge campus. It's not just an office building. And you're, like, finding your way around it, and you're sneaking into vents, like in this movie, and you're crawling down vents with your little camera. And eventually, you get to the server room, which is huge. It's like, you know, like a football field full of servers. And you're finding the correct server, the one that you want to put the virus in. It's just a really intense... It took me about an hour to get through this one level. And eventually, when you get to the server and start hacking it, it just feels really good. You're like, wow, nobody saw me. I just did it all without anybody seeing me. I just pretended to be one of them and then finally got my way in and hacked it. It's Watch Dogs 2 is such an improvement over Watch Dogs 1. If you didn't like that game, you want to give this one a shot because it is nothing like it. All the really boring parts of the first game, they ditched and they made it a lot more fun. Secondly, I've been playing a lot of Titanfall 2. Uh, if you bought Titanfall 2, um, all the DLC is free and they've added the first DLC yesterday. And it's the Angel City map. Now, if you're familiar with Titanfall 1, the best map in multiplayer was Angel City. What they've basically done is taken that same map, but spruced up the visuals so it looks better for this year. And uh, you get it for free. It's really cool. It's, it's probably the best map in the game now, which is funny because there's a load of new maps, yet the map from last year or a couple of years ago game is the best one. So hopefully they bring all the maps over from the first game because they were all cool. Uh, and thirdly, uh, this is not a game, but I did purchase uh, my Rogue uh, our Rogue One tickets. Star Wars Rogue One, not Assassin's Creed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, every Christmas now, Star Wars is uh, is new. It's crazy. I can't I can't believe I live in a world where at Christmas I get to see a Star Wars movie every year. So uh, Rogue it's One, it's fantastic. Rogue One, um, the trailers from the trailers, it, I mean, I'm biased because I'm a Star Wars fanatic, but... You are not a Star Wars fanatic. Don't overblow it. Because fanatics would be, like, dressed as Darth Vader all the time, and like we're talking fanatic as the other end. Well, it's literally been part of my life. You're in life love with it? Forever. You're not a stalker. You're just in love. I have from a Star Wars things. I, um, you know, I, uh, I, I don't tire of watching Star Wars. You can make as many Star Wars as you want, Disney, and I'll just keep watching them. Thank you. Don't ruin it, though. 
Uh, uh, tonight, Svengoolie. What is Svengoolie and what is the movie? Svengoolie is a horror host. Speaking of horror, he's a different kind of horror. He is the, uh, you know, universal horror, Wolfman, Abbott and Costello meet the mummy, that kind of thing. He will present one of those movies, and sometimes newer, but they've mostly all been old. He dresses in a funny costume, the same costume. That one last week was a weird movie. Yeah, but some of them are. Some of them you watch and you're like, that, what? What is that? But then we apply, We think, like, that movie was just really nothing. Like, the name of it's She-Wolf of London, and there's actually no She-Wolf of London, and it's just a big chase around. But then you think about movies now, you get a lot of the same thing. It's just Hollywood never changed. No. They clammed onto something. They made a movie that made them a lot of money, and then they make ten movies that have a hint of it so that people keep coming to the movie. So, Rogue you know. One. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm just saying. Very highly likely. I'm saying it's more Star Wars. It's the same thing, yeah. No, it makes money, right? Yeah. So, and in a hundred years, somebody might watch that and go, oh my god, why would anyone watch Rogue One when it's all just a bunch of shit? (laughs) I don't think that. I don't think anybody Ah, will watch that. I'm sorry, I don't think that. I'm just saying. Um, So, he does his little jokes and his little funny things, and Spangoolie is becoming, has become a tradition now for us on a Saturday night. And if I'm out of town and I'm not around to watch it, it's only on MeTV. That I'm aware of, unless you live in Chicago. Yeah, you can't and, um, stream it online or anything. No, you can't watch his ver his little bits in between the commercials and stuff. There, actually, there is a MeTV app for Roku. Yeah. And you can put it on your tablet where you can watch MeTV live. So yeah, you could. Oh, how to do that yeah. then? Yeah, there is. You can literally just watch. We it. don't have cable, so MeTV yeah. is one of the um, HD channels that we get just on the, on the antenna. antenna. Yeah. yeah. So that's Spangula. The Nightwalker. Oh, the Nightwalker. Did you ask me what the movie was? Yeah. So chances are it's not going to be night and it's not going to be a walker. No. It will be <laughs> the opposite. Probably. But some of them are really good and you, you're really into it. And they, it's because I don't it's a even different remember era. what the Nightwalker... They showed you the trailer? I don't remember. I always forget. Yeah. So, so uh, what's for dinner? Sandwiches of some kind. Now, you might want some soup and something, but I don't want to make anything. I'd rather just go get it. So I'll probably just go get... A sandwich of some kind. But I have to get you some bread for your stupid toast. So I might go to the store. And then I might change my mind and end up just having soup and a burger. Veggie burger. We don't eat meat. So right now, as it stands, <laughs> we'll be having Jimmy John's. is the least amount of effort. Except for driving there. Subway, I have to get out of the car and go in. But if I'm going in the store anyway, you see how the logic goes here in my head. Um, one way or the other, I'm going to have potato chips. And a sandwich of some kind. So that's kind of that. All right. So uh, let's get your advice before we leave. Okay. In life, right? Different people think about life different ways. I know that's not a shock. That's not a revelation of any kind. But it occurs to me as I get older that you need to be aware of all the distractions that you've put in your own mind. It's only in your mind. Um... To keep you from doing that thing that you just, you know, oh, it just, it just always there. Like you always want to open a cafe, but now you're never going to because you've already been doing this job for 10 years and it'd be too expensive and blah, blah, blah. The only thing really holding you back is just doing it. You might have a failure, you might lose some money, but those things are just as life is. What's really holding you back is that you've distracted yourself with all this other stuff. I could be an artist for a living. I could. I, I, I accept that I'm good enough to be able to draw pictures and do designs for money. And yet, I distract myself by 
all these years thinking, ah, but my God, I would be broke for so long and it would be really hard. I have to sell myself all the time. I have to be out there. I have to do it all. But it's all in my mind because I can do all of that. I could do it. But my mind, and I then distract myself with all these other little tidbits and pieces of things. I go, well, yeah, but then if I really focused on my own business, I wouldn't have as much time with my husband. I wouldn't have much time with this. I wouldn't have any security. I'd have to pay health insurance. And all that just is bullshit because somebody else does it. True. Somebody else out there makes a living on their artwork. Somebody else out there started a cafe when they had nothing to start with. Somebody else out there started a lawn care business when they had nothing, if that's what you want to do. Somebody else started a computer repair business or a babysitting business or a dog walking business or wrote that book that they think they can write, but they never did because they think, oh, because like me, I would write a story, write a movie script. But the thing is, then I'd have to try to find people to contact and send it to and they'll reject it and it's really hard and nobody ever really gets to send in a book and gets it printed. I mean, and then you go, well, yes, they do. <laughs> J.K. Rowling wrote a book and somebody published it after being rejected many times. Quentin Tarantino was rejected many times before he finished and he worked in a video store. And now he's Quentin Tarantino. So I'm not using those as examples of... People thought Shakespeare sucked at first. A lot of people still do. <laughs> I don't think he ever made loads of money off mm -hmm. of it. I don't know that his dream was fulfilled. But, you know, there's going to be a thing. And maybe not everybody has a thing. You know, I've talked to a few people on the subject just sort of casually. And there are people who just shrug their shoulders like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, got, I can't really do anything. I'm really... Yeah. And you just want to like... Stab him in the eyeball. That sounds like somebody in particular. <laughs> but it's so frustrating because I'm mean, like, maybe you are a blank and you don't have any aspirations at all. And that's great. A blank Because how could canvas. you go through your life and if you had nothing that ever, ever ate at you in the back of your mind that you could be doing or that you could achieve or you could try and see what happens for some kind of different stimulation. But if you never had that and you just go through life and then you die, that's probably the best thing, right? Because you've never... Nothing's ever out over there where you're just distracting yourself from it. But so you never have that eaten away at you a little bit. So just be aware of your distractions that you've created. And if you then accept it and that you say, fuck it, I'm never ever going to be a professional artist. I'm never going to be, I'm never going to write that book. I'm never going to start my ice cream stand. I'm never going to do whatever that thing is over there that I thought I would do when I was 20. And now I'm old and I'm too lazy to do it. Well, just be aware. That you've created your own distractions. It's not anybody else's problem or fault. It's kind of just your own. All right. So. How's that for advice? So remind you about our websites, ascully.com and sidtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store, or just go to the RSS feed, ascully.com slash podcast. You can uh, subscribe, listen on the page, or um, don't listen on the page. And just, you know, whatever. Uh, you can also email feedback to me at aschoolyatascoolyat.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She really can't stand any of you. <laughs> she can't stand the human race. Really but it's not correct. Uh, and finally, I would say to Mr. Fede Alvarez, stay classy. And uh, let's see what he does next. Because uh, I really enjoy his work. Thank you. And I'm going to say thank you for yourself or someone will do it for you.